0: Is dropped and it's showtime from downtown Winnipeg. Forcing the blast. Shankly fires a What a stop by Halibach. Kyle Carter.
1: Jets go bang, bang, bang!
0: Welcome to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets.
1: Well, we've reached a milestone. Podcast number 150 for Ground Control, obviously the official oh. podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. And you have to bring in a couple of all-star broadcasters for this one. Paul Edmonds, Jamie Thomas of 680 CGOB. We have another all-star to open the podcast talking about gentlemen, and that's uh, that's Connor Hellebuck. Voted in by the fans uh, just uh, three weeks after Josh Morrissey was named uh, to the all-star game, uh, well-deserved for Hellebuck. Obviously it's going to be his third time going there. Um, he's been sensational and near the league lead in a number of categories this season. Jamie, what has stood out about the 2020 visit winner, the guy who's been a finalist for that trophy as well. And just another strong season from him so far.
2: Well, I think now we're getting into a pattern here. So we'll expect Connor Hellebuck to be going to the All-Star Game in 2024. So we're at 18, (laughs) 20, 22, 24. So we could just pencil him in every other year on this one. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, clearly the Jets are not where they are without Connor Hellebuck returning to his Vesna Trophy form. Um, Just seems like he's in another league right now. Um, Just the saves that he's making. He's made the Jets penalty kill where it is today, which was before last night, second in the NHL. Um, it's it's just a testament to him locking things down. And you know we can't say he's not here too without the the opportunities, those great A scoring chances, uh, minimizing this year as compared to last year. So he's he's been everything the Jets have needed and then some, and a well deserved honor for him to be going to Florida to join Josh Morrissey.
1: He seems really excited about it too which is good. He was kind of getting in on some of the uh the promotional videos to, to vote and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff too. So that was uh, that's really cool. So good for him to be able to be joining Josh Morrissey at the All-Star festivities. Uh over the course of the road trip Jets are two and two but some milestones over this road trip uh, as well. Uh Kyle Connor hits 400 points. Nikolai Ehlers now most uh, most goals by a Danish NHL player at 168. But Blake Wheeler also hits 900 career points. Obviously, last year he got his 1,000th NHL game, Paul, and now he hits 900 points with a three-point performance uh, against the Senators. Just your thoughts on Blake Wheeler and, and you know, hitting a milestone that certainly has him in some, some rarefied air in the NHL for sure. Well,
0: when you think about it, I mean, he's now at as the time that we do this, 901 points. So it's 99 points to go after he came up with a point in the game against the philadelphia flyers and a win and a thousand games a thousand points or we've got to think and believe that he's going to get there i mean on the pace that he's been at for the last handful of years that's a great career it just really is and i start to wonder about whether he might be worthy of a hall of fame acknowledgement so He's not there yet, but it's something that I think that we should kind of bring into the conversation because with each passing point in game, he gets a little closer. Will that be solidified if you want a Stanley Cup? Yeah, for sure. I think that you've got to consider that. But Blake, knowing Blake, and we all do because we've covered him for many years, is not about personal milestones. I think that he does certainly enjoy them quietly, privately, and might even more when his career is done. But we had him on the air after the first period in that Philly game. And he was asked the question as to whether he would trade all of those points in for one other thing. And he said, is that rhetorical? And we know what that is. (laughs) It's at this point of his career. These are the kinds of things when you get to these milestones, guys, that these older players, they, they think that there's some value in them, but right now it's all about winning for them and winning the top prize in the national hockey league. And that's the Stanley cup. When you get to 900 or 950 or 1,000 points, you'll reflect on those in retirement and say, Boy, I had a really good career. But this is a bridge to getting to 1,000 points. And that is a milestone that not many guys get to. That is a mark that not many National Hockey League players get to. When he gets there, and we presume again he will, it will be an elite company that Blake Wheeler is talked about with a lot of other names. And if he can kind of put the icing, on the cake with the cherry on top and a Stanley Cup victory for the Winnipeg Jets in this year or the remaining year of his contract, which is next year on the term. Um, I think that uh, you've got a pretty uh, special player. He already is, uh, but he doesn't like to talk about it a lot. But 900 is pretty significant in my books and everybody else's across the National Hockey League. 100% uh,
1: agreed. Jamie mentioned the Jets are two and two on the season long uh, five game road trip that they're on here. Uh, A couple of questions coming out of that. Um, First off, what has stood out on this road trip? And number two, are you going to remember how to drive a vehicle after spending the last week on planes and buses and not having to drive whatsoever? Because it is snowing here in Winnipeg while you two are in uh, Nashville ahead of the finale tomorrow.
2: Yeah, just look out, uh, Winnipeggers, when I get back on Wednesday, because if the roads are bad, I have I'll have no clue what I'm doing. So look License the plate yeah. number <laughs> is yeah, yeah. and the blue, the blue Volkswagen like Jetta, or else the Ford white truck. Uh, look out for that. Um, listen, I think that what stood out the most is you missed they missed out on a chance to get. You know, kind of started off slow with the with the, with the Montreal Canadiens games, deserved a better fate outside of five minutes against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then kind of really got their game back intact by the time they played the Ottawa Senators. And then I don't think you can really judge much from the game against Philadelphia because Philadelphia was playing their fifth game in seven nights. The Jets were playing their third and fourth. It looked like two teams just trying to get things done in the third period. But to me, they've, they've locked things down again uh, defensively they've played a lot better on their own end and are starting to look more like the team that Rick bonus wants to see um, night in and night out being, that being hard to play against. They were very hard and they frustrated the heck out of the Ottawa senators. And then the fill- the game against the flyers, the place they never win in. So um, they figured out how to win a game where their special teams wasn't there. So they, again, it's another road trip where we're looking at it going, they've won different ways. Um, and then they can cl- clear, clearly clean, clean things up in, in Nashville after a day off here in Nashville today. You're hoping they're a little bit fresh to close it out. So they've won different ways. They've returned. They've returned the way that Rick Bonus wants them to play, being tough to play against. So uh, again, another road trip where you have got a little bit of everything from this hockey team as they try and lock things down and get close to first place before the All Star break and the and the player break as well.
1: David Riddick has seemingly been the cure for all the. Yeah. Ales of playing in Pennsylvania for the Winnipeg Jets. Perfect in in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Uh, He's won uh, each of his last three starts, four of his last five. So big shout out to him as well as we talked a little bit about goaltending off the start. Jamie, uh, you talked to Colby Armstrong, played 476 games in the NHL, 209 points, been parts of three seasons with the Atlanta Thrashers, now an analyst with Sportsnet, among many other duties. Uh, What stood out to you about that one? And uh, what can people look forward to in this conversation?
2: Well, first off, he kept mentioning he's Winnipeg Jet alumni, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and uh, we, we had to let him down on that one, so he's not quite in that category, just, you know what, I was looking, I know Colby a little bit from my time at Sportsnet, and uh, very humorous, very funny guy, um, but, you know, he had some great comments about Brian Little um, Toby Enstrom, so he had played with some guys of, that Jets fans are familiar with from their early days of the, of the Jets coming back to Winnipeg. Uh, had a great has a great story at the end about missing a rookie dinner when he was uh, one of the rookie dinners when he was with Toronto. He had an injury. That's not the funny part. Is what happened afterwards. So there's lots to look, lots to listen to here. He's got some great insight on the Jets as well because he is an analyst with the Pittsburgh Penguins broadcast. Says has some strong thoughts on why the Jets will be successful this year as well.
0: Shop where the players shop. Jets Gear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets Gear locations or shop online at TrueNorthShop.com.
2: Hi, this is Adam Lowry, and you're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> Bobby, you just had the. Uh... We just saw the Winnipeg Jets recently at Pittsburgh when they faced the Penguins. Just a quick thought on the Jets and, and the big step that they've taken this year as compared to last year. Um,
3: I got to work between the benches for that game.
2: Yes, you did. Um, you did good, by the way.
3: Thank you. Thank you. I yeah, loved yeah. it. I loved it down there. It feels like I'm actually playing again, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> plus, plus, four, plus 30 to 40 pounds. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm <laughs> playing it. To- But no no one's keeping
2: track. No one's counting.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who looks at these things nowadays? Yeah. But I, I honestly, I, I, I was, I was so impressed, honestly, covering the pens this year and obviously watching a lot of hockey, but they're probably the best team I've seen come in there. They're probably the best team I've seen that game. I mean, they're buttoned up and they played the night before in Buffalo. Remember. Right. And they didn't, they weren't too happy with their game and still won the game, got outshot badly. And, uh, but From, I think, unheralded decor, you know, like Mm -hmm. Norris, Norris, gets all the chatter, right. (laughs) But um, I thought they all played and look really well. They're all involved. They all seem to have this like, you know, team confidence and being involved offensively, whether it is Morrissey or others, like Mm -hmm. there's just, and, and, and then defensively they're, they're, they're pretty stiff team to play against. Like when they're on it, they're right on top of you. And then the thing that really jumped out to me is the depth of the lineup as well, um and the size mm-hmm. the size like they can bully people they can kind of play it any way you want which is kind of scary right when you have the skill too, like their power play is is dangerous like they have that ability but their depth and size through the lineup like i was like stanlin came over six five Lowry, i was like oh my i, I, I was like the smallest guy on their bed it's like me and sam Ganya. i'm like what's up dude like <laughs> we,
2: can, we can we can hang out sam yeah <laughs> you mean Perfetti,
3: Ehlers, and and Gagne, everyone else is a monster on that team, which is which really is, I think, a big factor to have. I think they're they're a scary team, and I and and then you, I do did, Hellebuck didn't even play that game,
2: yeah. And, I mean, scary. You you've been you've covered the game a long time, played it a long time. There is all these stories, all teams that are supposed to do well and they don't, but immediately yeah. the next season the light slip switches on again. That's that's just pro hockey, right? Yeah. And I think
3: that's, yeah, everyone says you got to go through hard times before there's good times kind of thing. And we've seen mm-hmm. it through the history from the Gretzky stories of walking out and, you know, the Islanders aren't celebrating their Stanley cup. They're icing their injuries. And, yeah, you know, that's kind of been the story uh, as far as, as long as I was a kid and hearing that. And, um, you know, I think we can even look not too far ago as, as to Tampa Bay, right. They got swept by Columbus after like a historic season. Uh, in the first round. And it was like a a shocker. And, you know, then they go to three, three finals, you know, like not bad, not bad, not bad run, but um, yeah, I I can see the jets being kind of in that category, right. They've always kind of been at the tip of everyone's tongue as a team that can be, you know, one of, one of those teams or can, you know, make it to the conference final for sure. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they've, they've either fell short or, like last year completely <laughs> fell off the face of the earth. So yes. um, they've had their, they've had their tough goes. And I think even like in the dressing room, right. New coach, coach leaves, new coach comes in, you know, you know, the, the sea's gone from Wheeler. Like there's a lot of like craziness that came with that. Like it wasn't easy, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, what you see coming out the other side is, you know, the potential, the culture, the attitude, the understanding, um, and kind of a revived look of what they should be. And it's, 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 uh, I, 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 do they get enough talk? Do the Jets get no. enough talk? I feel like they to me, don't. I've, yeah. Yeah, to me yeah. either. Like, I feel like they don't get any chatter really. And with regards to top teams in the league, especially the West, right? Like they, yes. they're totally under the radar when, if you really look at it, they are probably, if you watch hockey, probably looking at it, they're probably the best team in the West. Yeah. I
2: would say. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And it's like, I know the organization likes it. They like to be slipping under the radar, but yeah, like it's. And when I worked in Toronto, Colby, you know, this like the, yeah, the Jets yeah. were not on the tip of the tongues, right? They just like yeah. they were one of the other teams that you talked about. I remember that year, all seven Canadian teams made the playoffs. They were kind of like that afterthought for a bit. And then I yeah. moved there and you start to realize this, they've got something going on here. And that 17 18 season was something else. I always like asking you about when you played and. Yeah, little stops along the way. And, and Atlanta was one of those places. And of course, yeah, I'm a, yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm a Jets alumni. Yeah, I'm a Jets. I'm also Lovely on this. Up. I'm on this call here to tell you that they're they're hanging your jerseys the rafter. But we we'll <laughs> <to that. laughs> Jets fans can't wait to see you again. They yeah, that's thrilled. good. So yeah. uh but you know, the quick stop over in Atlanta. You played with some guys that play that are Jets alumni, Brian Little, Toby Enstrom, Zach Bogosian, Jim Slater, Andre Pavlik. Mm-hmm. It's I know, it was such a quick stop, but do you kind of have mm-hmm. Not so much stories about them, but your time in Atlanta.
3: Yeah, you know, my time in Atlanta, it was like unknown when I went there. Uh, I, I just knew that they were not good, you
2: mm-hmm. know,
3: and we were in Pittsburgh, you know, trending to be very good. And so it was, you know, the year I got traded, they went to the final and lost to Detroit the next year, won the cup. So it was like, that's the trajectory that we had kind of built in and it happened really fast. So to go there, like um, to that city, it was it was it was different and like understanding like, you know, where I am, it's like a totally different city than what I initially, you know, kind of grew up in the game at here in Pittsburgh, small market. Yeah. You know, smaller city, uh, not much traffic, to be honest with you, it's fairly comfortable. Uh, <laughs> and then I get there and it's like a log jam on an eight lane highway. And it's like, where, how is this happening? Like I was in the big city kind of thing, <laughs> you know? And, but I, I found to love it. I got married there. I had two kids there. Mm -hmm. Uh, born two kids born there. Uh, I still have friends that I'm in contact with and go on vacations with at times and and with their kids and families. It's uh it's a special place for me. It was, I wished hockey could have really worked out there a lot better. I think it's like strange. I always say this, like I never met anyone when talking to them, maybe like one or two, sorry, I shouldn't say never, but most of the people I am like, they're not from Atlanta. Like no one's from Atlanta that was there. So it made for like a strange sports scene because you know, just hockey and, for example, like we go play. Like the the Red Wings are in town. Like the the whole, like everyone was coming to watch Detroit because they're all lived in Atlanta for work. So it's yeah. all like a tra- it's very transplant work city, and and people are from other places and have allegiances. So I think it was it was tough in that sense, sports wise, to kind of attract people that like switch over to the Swirly Bird and come on down to come down to blue land and cheer on the thrashers, you know what I mean? So, um, I wish it worked out better, but you know, going back to Winnipeg and when the team finally left and you know, when I, when I was in Montreal, going in going in there to play in there and stuff too, and yes. in Toronto was like, so cool. It was loud. It was like the way it's supposed to be. It was like, you know, tight. They're right on top of you. And, um, it was like, man, I wonder what the guys that played in Atlanta now that moved <laughs> all the way over
2: there are like, Holy smokes, this is wild. Man, you're from Saskatchewan, so you could kind of yeah. understand how excited the city of Winnipeg and the province of Manitoba was when the Jets moved there. And then you come there with the Canadians. So, like, they're speaking of places that are full, half full of the other team's fans, like, you, yeah. there's that whole experience. So, as a guy from a, a prairie province, understanding how important hockey was to this province of Saskatchewan, what you must have had kind of like a, a good feeling when Atlanta moved to Winnipeg.
3: Yeah, like, I think it's important, right? Like, I grew up with, like, the Saskatoon Blades. I'm thinking that's, like, the NHL and, like, Mm -hmm. going to an Oilers or Flames game at the time because the Jets had moved when I was kind of at a different, like, a little older. Like, that was, like, crazy if I ever – I didn't go to my first NHL game until I was, like, 15 years old or 16, and my aunt had tickets because she worked for Nelson Lumber. And Lloyd Minster. Remember when they had like, you know, yes. the 18 Lloyd Minster people that owned the team. <laughs> and so she was like the secretary at Nelson Lumber and she got tickets to go. So I got to go see like Wayne Gretzky. One of my first games ever was to go see Wayne Gretzky play his final game in Edmonton, which was crazy. Like they were chanting, Walter Gretzky. Ch-. Yeah. Like it was like so cool. Like I couldn't believe I was at an NHL game. And I got to go to a game at the Saddledome with my grandfather and watch Eric Lindros when he came in with the with the flyers that was I think my first game I ever went to was in Calgary um around 14 15 years old so it was it seemed so far away so you know I grew up with like you know all most of my buddies are like Oilers fans and you know Fl- a few Flames fans Canucks fans yeah. um and you know Winnipeg's what 8 hours down the road it's like another stop that just kind of missed our generation because the team left and moved so I think it's good that it's that close. I have another option for people in Saskatchewan. We don't have a team, man. We don't have a team. So <laughs> there's a lot of people scattered all over the place that are fans of certain teams. And um, it's probably, I'm sure Winnipeg is catching on again and, and back in people's blood in, in Saskatoon and in Saskatchewan. It was good. Yeah. For Cause
2: people. you saw the the turnout in Regina for the, the hair. Yeah. That, like, with yeah. The that's awesome. The Jess. And you know, it's great because, the options weren't there for Jets fans, Jets fans before. So there was, uh, you always wondered, were there more Jets fans, or sorry, Flames or Oilers fans in Saskatchewan? Yeah. That was the conversation for a little while, but it was a great turnout by by your home province. Um, just when you think of the importance of that, and I know you don't, it was such a quick time, but Brian Little was such a quiet guy. Was he quiet yeah, as a young player? He was he 20, was. 21 when he played with you in Atlanta. So just wondered if that kind of, you know, when you're a young player, quiet anyways, was he even more quiet at that point.
3: Yeah, I love Brian Little. And you know what? He came in and he just was like, almost like a savvy veteran from the start. Yeah. He was really quiet. He just did his job. He prepared himself. He uh, he cared, you know, hmm. he's, he's a good teammate. Um, he just quiet guy in general, not just like in in his preparation, he just did his thing too, but, you know, just a really savvy, smart player. And then, and then on top of it, he could quietly like produce like crazy, you know, like he was, he was just a really good player. And, um, like, I remember playing with him, and it's a funny story, like Brian little, you know, like his name. And, and we had Slava Kozlov, the old grizzled, grumpy, old school Russian player. And he would yell, he, he thought he was funny. And he had like a dad. like, hey, Brian Small, Brian Small. He'd say it like all the time. And Lit, Litz would sit in the corner. He, they put him in the corner. He had like the best seat. He sat in the corner by himself. No one touched him. He was just oh, cool. He just did his thing. And then Kozzi had his little dad jokes calling him Brian Small for Brian Little. He thought it was like hilarious. But, you know, Litz would like look like, you Know he's just like chilling, um, but I remember one time, one thing too about Litz too. He used to do like I think he used to tuck his socks in behind his skate the first, okay,
2: year. okay,
3: and I, and and then the next year he came back and he had the socks or on top of the skate, like a fully around the skate, like right, you know, like Malkin or for example, or guys that do that. And then he had like a he lit it up that year, I think he had like 30, 30 goals or something. And it's like it's because he did like the Malkin untuck move, I swear to god, with Brian Little, but. I think yeah. obviously a trap, like an accident that took his career away. Can you imagine if the jets had him in the lineup still and what he would mean to the team and um, just how solid he is and two way game. He's like, those guys don't grow in trees, you know? So, you know, it was, it's sad to see, I still keep in touch with him minimally, but uh, mm-hmm. a really, really, really good dude and
2: a great teammate. And um, yeah, we're we're, we're both jets alumni, you know? That's right. Well, you guys, you guys stick together that way. <laughs> yeah. uh, Toby Enstrom, also another guy, very quiet. Yeah. So like, I'm I'm hitting you with the quiet guys right now. So just, yeah, Toby and- was
3: awesome though. Like Toby is like one of the reasons why I, at the end of my career I went to play in Sweden. You know, you know Jonas Gustafsson, the monster, the goaltender in Toronto, uh, Carl Gunnarsson, and then uh, you know, previous to that, when I was in Atlanta, was was Toby Enstrom, and he's just such a good dude. Like those guys are just so like um you know i think left such a great impression on me as people and teammates and um just got along with them so well toby had a little wild side to him he liked to kick it up a little bit he on the did. side oh yeah and he come I, out you know the what shell. you're growing, you
2: remember this when you're growing up your mom told you always stay away from the quiet guys so yeah not <laughs> <about it. laughs> but Toby's
3: so nice it's hard to stay away from them right but. <laughs> Yeah. He's, he's a beauty he ended up actually staying at my place for a while. I think he was in the middle of moving houses. And so he ended up living with me a little bit. So we had, we had, we had some fun uh, <laughs> hanging out with him, but yeah, a quiet guy, but just a great person, a great teammate and um, kind of nasty with like weird style, like a long stick, little defenseman shifty. And, you know, he had some good years. He was one of our best defensemen in Atlanta when I was there too. So um yeah, the, that that's why I went to Sweden pretty much. Just cause like those those three guys mm-hmm. just such good guys. I'm like, if I'm going over there, if I'm if I'm done and I'm going mm-hmm. over there, I'll go to Sweden just because they they're like such good people that they left such a good impression that like I have to go to that place, you know, if I'm yeah. gonna play. So it was because of those
2: guys. Toby left an impression on me. Uh, Jim Slater, I've heard legendary stories about how frugal he is. Was he? (laughs) (laughs) See, I love how I say frugal and people talk to. That's the one of my favorite parts about talking to alumni is the legendary stories you get. And as soon as you say one word to do with one person, everybody knows what I'm talking about.
3: Yeah. Well, he's heart and soul. He couldn't cut the cord from college. That's for sure. I think, is he still back? Is he back there now? I think he's like working so. where he went to college. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> uh Little T-Rex arms on him that were just ripped. He could just work out like a machine. Um, But truly a guy that like really cared and was like a hardworking all around great teammate that did a lot of the grunt work. Like he could hit, he'd fight, he could kill penalties. He blocked shots. And he did it every day. And regardless if he paid five minutes or 12 minutes, he was there with energy. So just like a you know, a, obviously a guy that lasted a real long time, right? Like he's mm-hmm. a guy that that hung around. He he was fast, he took care of himself, you know, he 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 was in great shape, like really good shape. So maybe it's because
2: he didn't eat, because he's frugal, so he was he was shredded, you know. So even then he would hold because you know, <laughs> I'm sure. As much money as guys make in the National Hockey League, you can't take away how they've been brought up. So yeah. <laughs> imagine you've yeah. seen some legendary ways of guys keeping their not spending their money. Of course, those guys are going to buy new cars, new houses yeah. for everybody. There's got to be those guys that keep their money. Well, like- the big... And the big thing
3: is with, in the NHL with guys is like, they, you know, there's like a side deals, they call it side. Oh, side deals. You got a side deal. Hey bud. Like, it's kind of a way of saying like, you're cheap. Why don't you just go buy it on your own? Why are you getting a dealership to give you a car? You know, you have this like relationship and you're kind of a spokesman for the dealership, but they give you the car for the year. It's like, just buy the car, dude. Like,
2: what are you doing? So
3: there's a way like inside the room with the side deals that guys would carve, carve other guys um for now we're so. in the
2: room listeners yeah. we're inside the dressing right now so yeah
3: it's kind of funny how it works out so you know if you if you got went and did something like uh signing somewhere or there's a side thing here side thing there you're going to hear about it the next day a little bit
2: i always enjoy one of the other things i enjoy about going on the road with the team is the the autograph seekers so do did yeah. were there any tactics that you guys would have for Sidney crosby for instance to uh, keep him away from the throngs of of people
3: Well, yeah, he was on like another another world. I almost got in a fight one time with this with an autograph guy in Philadelphia, and then like shocking, yeah, shocking Philly, wow, (laughs) surprise. But they got they're not allowed to like come in the hotel unless you're a guest of the hotel. Well, he was like pretending to dine. Well, he actually bought a burger, but he was like after Sid's autograph, you know. But we I recognized him, I knew who he was, and I and and like we kind of said like, dude, like what are you doing? Like security was on him, and he like slammed his burger on the ground, and he like. He was really touch angry. Down. Yeah, to- Gronk spiked his he burger. <laughs> Like he had enough, like the jig was up. We got you, you know, and, and uh, he was really upset. So then later we went to dinner, I remember. And I, and, and we, I don't know where we went, like some steakhouse somewhere, but we were going to walk there from the hotel. And like, I was like hiding behind Eric Cairns, like, he's like, you know, six, seven, like one of the toughest guys in the league and uh, just a great guy. Cause I was scared this, like guy was going to pop out, like try to shank me with a knife or something. Cause like, he was that upset. He was that upset. It was, it was wild, but, I used to love, I used to love that scene with Sid. It was cool. Like, you know, taking like the elevator down, like the service elevator at a hotel down to like this parkade where there's like a cab there so we can get to the game instead of going out the front door, especially in Canada, you know? Yeah. (laughs) When Sid goes to some of those cities in Canada, especially out West, um, you don't get there too often or get to see him. So those, that was, that was pretty interesting. I felt like I was like, hanging out with like, like a rock
2: star or something a little bit. Cause it was like, uh, this isn't normal. <laughs> you, you, you could put on the sunglasses and the dark jacket. Yeah. You could, <laughs> yeah. It, it could be Sid's detail.
3: Yeah. That was like the old story of Doug Gilmore. Didn't he used to take like the subway or like the, uh, you know, to games and he'd wear a Gilmore Jersey with like a disguise <laughs> that and just... then no one, no one thought it was Doug Gilmore. And it There's Doug no Gilmore way Doug did... Gilmore
2: is on the subway right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> Wearing
3: his own Jersey with like a hat pulled down and a mustache
2: or See, something. See that that is, that is a veteran move in itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One last one. I love asking questions about this, but how about rookie dinners? You got a classic rookie dinner story or the credit card the credit card game, anything like that, where oh just...
3: you are putting me on this one now.
2: Don't worry. I'll cut it out. If it's not any good.
3: I'm trying to think about any of the rookie dinners that were like a standout. I missed a rookie dinner once. Cause I had a, I had a scratch cornea, which I was pissed about. I wasn't allowed to leave my room.
2: Okay. So that's a good story. <laughs> I got sucker country. punched
3: in Atlanta. I went back to Atlanta with the Leafs and I got sucker punched kind of by like Ben eager, but it's scratch. Like, I thought I was going to die. Like I was that bad. If anyone's had a scratch. It hand, hand. Yeah, it was horrible. I, I couldn't sleep at night. Like I thought my head was going to explode. Like my eye was killing. Like if air touched my eye, I was like, oh, I was like, just end me now. I just wanted it to be over. And then I got like these numbing drops. They put in my eye on the flight because We were flying from there to LA. And there's so we had pressure then. Yeah, and like I like I couldn't heal. I was like, I was like, oh. And then every like ten minutes, I'd be like, to like the trainer, and he'd come and have these like little drops. He put in my eye, I'd be like, oh my god, oh my god. I was like, I'm fighting for my life with a scratched cornea. So I went right to an eye doctor. There, he looked at my eye, saw it. I had to wear an eye patch like a pirate, yeah, like for like three days. My eye healed fairly quick. I don't think I missed a game, but I missed rookie party due to that, which I was really pissed about. Did, in LA now, too.
2: Did you get razzed a lot with the patch on and the and the crime There's the actually drop? uh
3: there's actually a hilarious thing. I did get razzed, like I think people generally felt sorry for me because I was like yeah. in so so much pain. But I was at the practice rink in LA and I wasn't skating because I had a pirate patch on my eye. It wasn't a pirate patch, it was like a white piece of gauze taped to my face. Yeah. So we're in LA, so I remember Mike Commissaric had these big, like awesome, like Hollywood sunglasses, like designer cool, cool thing. And, like, I, I was, like, the media wanted to talk to me because the guy that punched him was Ben Eager. I think he got, like, four or five games for it. It was, like, a hefty suspension. But, you know, I came out at the practice rink in L.A. and I had the glasses on. to covered, like, the gauze patch on my eye just yes. to, like, think it would be, like, a joke, you know? And I remember Jim Ralph, he asked me, he's like, so, Army, are the uh, rumors true about you and Madonna? <laughs> <laughs> It was just like such a funny Hollywood question with my sunglasses on. I was dying. I thought... <laughs> that was the first question I got. I was in LA with these stupid glasses with a patch on my eye thinking I'm cool. And he goes with the whole Hollywood uh, kind of TMZ yeah. question. It was it was, it was was hilarious.
2: <laughs> okay, so you have to do me a favor. Do you have a photo of that by chance? Uh, I think there's one maybe on the internet. I'm not okay. sure. Because yeah. I think when we put your podcast because we put our podcast guest up do you think we? Yeah, yeah. i use that photo <laughs> yeah it's hilarious it's hilarious
3: the glasses i have like you know my like i'm fat now but like my face was so skinny and these glasses were huge like they were just ridiculous commissary's a big guy so like fit his head but they were like those like hollywood you know sunglass like paris hilton or something I don't know. Like ridiculous <laughs> that is the best
2: way to end a podcast colby appreciate Thanks, your time my friend Thanks, James. Thanks, buddy. Hey Jets fans, I'm Sarah Orleski. Don't forget to join me after each and every home game for the Winnipeg Jets post-game show live presented by Budweiser, where you'll get exclusive interviews, in-room access, and more. Catch us on all Winnipeg Jets platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and WinnipegJets.com.
1: A big thanks to Colby Armstrong for taking the time to chat and for Jamie to setting that one up. Well done, sir. Um mention Nikolai Ehlers I gotta a little do bit. <laughs> Never sell yourself short. Uh we yeah. mentioned Nikolai Ehlers a little bit earlier and you know the, the big milestone that he hit. But uh Paul, just curious to get your thoughts on, you know, the guy missed essentially half a season he comes in he's got 17 points in 12 games since coming back from a sports hernia surgery played on a a few different lines since then you know he'll say you know some parts of his game he's still continuing to work on and uh, get that timing down but I just think the way he's been able to jump right in and start contributing right away has been quite impressive
0: well I mean it was kind of funny Based on becoming the all time leading scorer for Danish born players, it was funny because the players on his team the other day were kibitzing with him, calling him the, the Danish Gretzky, right? <laughs> uh, but but <laughs> he, he, he deserves that. I mean, when you look at Danish history in the National Hockey League, gentlemen, there are only 16 players from Denmark that have played in the National Hockey League. 16. It's not a yes. lot. Mm-hmm. And it's it's sort of a northern country. It, it's close to to Finland and Sweden, which has produced, you know, hundreds of National Hockey League players and recognizable names. So I think Nikolai Ehlers will be one of those names right across the world at some point if he's not there already. But he's been well over a point per game since he came back from missing thirty six games, and I just think that the the game now and the league is just built for a guy like him with speed and with talent and boy when he picks up the puck AJT and he comes kind of barreling inside the zone and and he curls around the net there's just no stopping him unless you're going to take a penalty and then from there because he's able to kind of curl around and arc around the boards and the net he he has more open ice for him and he's got a great shot he's an electrifying player the Winnipeg Jets certainly missed him. I think the versatility that he shows as well, being able to play right wing or left wing helps, even though he's a left-handed shot, he's adept at both. I find Europeans are much better at playing both sides than than North American hockey players for whatever reason. But he's been great. I mean, he's been exactly what Winnipeg needed. They needed an infusion of some offense uh, to help out. I mean, they kind of lipped their way along and did pretty well with, all of those injuries that that really hampered the team and still were able to win. But at some point, you're going to run out of that, and you need to get guys back in the lineup, and Nikolai Ehlers has done that. And the power play has been snapping around, with the exception of the game in Philadelphia. They had scored in five straight. I don't think it's any coincidence that Nikolai Ehlers has come back and and helped in a a small way kind of be another option on that power play. So there's just so many things that he provides the Winnipeg Jets that – uh, taking him out of your lineup for, as we saw for a couple of months, was just hard on the team. And I will say this, there's still the deadline coming up of March 3rd for trade deadlines in the National Hockey League and, and roster freezes and acquisitions. But getting Nikolai Ehlers back after he only played the first two games and he comes back after 36 games is almost like making, making a major transaction of getting a star player into your roster that wasn't there before so it's almost like kevin shovel dayoff was able to acquire nikolai ehlers even though he was there all the way along so we'll see what happens but he is a uh, a tremendous part of the winnipeg jets offense has been for a few years and i really think that based on the scoring prowess that he's shown this might be a career year for him even though he's missed a number of games
1: Yeah, off to just an incredible run uh, since coming back from injury, like you mentioned. Looking ahead uh, to what's on the Jets' schedule, it's been another busy month for the Jets. Uh, Four more to go as we record this before the break. Two of those are divisional against Nashville and St. Louis. Uh, Nashville, obviously, tomorrow. There's also two games against the East in the middle of those two games, Buffalo and Philadelphia. Jamie, what's the emphasis in those four games? Because after those four, well, there's a break for everyone except for Josh Morrissey and Connor Hellebuck, I guess.
2: Right. Uh, I I think the emphasis is staying with this being hard to play against. But I think the Jets coaching staff is enjoying winning games in different ways. And, you know, something I didn't point out is the way the fourth line or the bottom six forward group contributed in a a gritty game against the Philadelphia Flyers. You you know, your special teams wasn't there, but you got timely goals from Axel Johnson, Pialbi, Carson Kuhlman. And certainly, Kevin Stanley with the empty goal against the Flyers last night. So they they different team, different parts of the roster have been contributing through this. I, you know, you look at the game against Buffalo. You don't want to open things up like the way they did for a, a period against the Sabers because they'll they'll hurt you. Philadelphia will roll in, and it's going to be more of the same game, right? It's going to be physical. So the Jets will have to play adapt their style again that game. And then Nashville and St. Louis, we we know what to expect. High 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 event games. So we'll see a little bit of everything over these final four games. But it will be great for the Jets to be yeah, either in first or just hanging around in second spot behind Dallas uh, as they go to the All-Star break. Because they've, they've earned this. They've played very well. Uh, they've fought through a lot of adversity already here before the All-Star break. So for them to be sitting in first or second place in the Central is, is a, a great achievement for this hockey club considering what happened last year.
1: And of course, we'll be there for all those games. And you can have all and see all the coverage uh, at 680 C Job with these two fine gentlemen and also uh, winnipegjets.com. Gentlemen, thanks very much for joining us on episode 150. And we will talk to you very soon. This has been Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. For more Jets news,
3: videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com.